Welcome to Season 3 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of the mad scientist and myself as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's up, good people? Thank you for joining us on another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. This week's show is sponsored by Red Dirt Shooting. So please head on over to reddirtshooting.com and see what all they have to offer for your reloading and competition needs. If you are going to take part in the South Carolina sectional taking place April 30th through May 2nd, you can actually meet the staff of Red Dirt Shooting coming to Belton, South Carolina to shoot the South Carolina sectional. So please come on out there and thank the staff and shake the staff's hand and just see what all they have to offer, you know, by coming to the South Carolina sectional. Now, as we already said, the South Carolina sectional is taking place 30 April through 2 May and registration is open now. So if anything, before I forget, the mad scientist himself will want everyone to come out there and shake his hand. I'm going to try to get as much as that on video and camera so everybody can go nag him and say, hey, thank you for putting the match together. So let's make that happen. All right. So this week, the mad scientist is on a little break. So he has some matters he had to take care of outside of the podcast but another week and counting she gave the two thumbs up that she was ready to record but the deal still stands if she's on the microphone the camera cannot be on her so we have no choice but to bring back the one the only coach b how's it going b Hi, Michael. <laughs> How has your week been? <laughs> My week's been good. Um, just busy. Between work and M-W Tactical. Um, it's kept me busy. So. Yeah, I get you on that one. So this week, all the co-host duties fall on you without no backup from the mad scientists. So we're going we're gonna to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. At least I think we will. What you think? Yes, it'll work. Yeah. So um now are you actually shooting the South Carolina sectional that's taking place 30 April through 2 May? Yes. Um I'm part of staff and I'll be shooting. So mm-hmm. I guess I'll shoot on Friday. Hmm, okay. Now um I know for me, I have to do a lot of tuning up because of the fact I've been slacking on my dry fire and I got to jump back into it. So I think what I'm going to do is probably try to catch probably one or two local matches and just see what I have to do. But I know for a fact, I need to really get back into dry fire how I was. But then again, I do have you in my ear telling me to do the push-ups, doing the sit-ups and everything else I need to do outside of dry fire. So Hmm. What is your take on what are you going to do 
to possibly tune up for this belt match or are you just going to go into it cold and just say what it what it is is what it is well let me clear one thing up i tell you you need a dry fire also not just the push-ups and sit-ups so you just told on me in front of everybody and i noticed you left out the uh planks but no okay. my goodness yeah i gotta get back into the planks also now i will say i did do one minute of planks two days ago so i was literally went to the gym and when i came back home i took a nap and when i woke up i was like i forgot to do the plank and i did do the plank but i didn't tell you i did the plank but i did actually do a plank when i was just here by myself the other day okay so, no one saw it. It doesn't count. Oh my goodness. So now I got a video and take pictures <laughs> of this. So we're going to make that happen. We're going to make that one happen like that as well. Well, for me, um, I plan on getting back into dry fire and shoot maybe one or two local matches, but I have some personal things going on that a personal goal, I guess, that I have to accomplish before I can get back into shooting competitions like I was um so hopefully I can get that taken care of by May by March not May by March and then I can really get into doing my dry fire and put more attention back into shooting competitions okay um that was I was going to ask you about the time frame. So you said the March time frame. Now, do you think it's going to be the beginning of March or the end of March? Well, at this point, it's looking like kind of the middle towards the end of March. Um, but I'm hoping that I can throw in some dry fire here and there. Um, but I know to do well in a match, and especially a match of... Um, the caliber the South Carolina sectional will be that I need to do dry fire continuously like every day and not just here and there whenever I can fit it in um right. but it needs to be an everyday um thing so okay well I, I would like to say um I would like to give a congratulations to Lucky the South Carolina um, coordinator for USPSA, he had foot surgery back in December, I think it was. was I think it, it was November. November, December timeframe. And he's recovered. And I think he said he's back about 95%. And he's actually going to shoot the match this weekend at MCRC. So... I might go ahead and jump into that match with him. But either way, I do want to say welcome back, Lucky, and let's get into it hard all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, Lucky had that foot surgery. So he said he's going to come back and he's going to try to, he's not going to push it too hard, but he's going to get back into it just to see where he is with it and he can gauge it from there. Yeah, so. Um, you know, coming back off of an injury, sometimes that can play a serious trick on your mind. So like when I was in high school, I broke my leg uh, playing basketball, but 
I never regained the confidence I had before I broke my leg because I would favor my leg more than anything, especially like if I was taking a jump shot. Right. So that's how that go. But let's go ahead and jump into a quick commercial break. And um, when we come back, we can go ahead and hit up these uh, main topics. This week, we're going to have an interview from Jay Bill. So if you don't know who Jay Bill is, I will say the connecting dots will be um, Anderson Shooting from Steve Anderson and Carry Optics. So we're going to talk a little bit about that when we come back, you know, just kind of give a little bit more hints for people who don't know who Jay Bill is. So if you will, please stay in your seats and hear a few words from our sponsors. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm going to be. Come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic holster is available in four different models fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical. This is Coach B from M-W Tactical. And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is we are making a professional movie and it's gonna be about our day-to-day -day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting gofundme.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training. Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe. All right, good people, welcome back to the second segment of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And as we said before the commercial break, we're going to have an interview this week with Jay Bill. And Jay Bill is an interesting character in himself, whereas he was handpicked by Steve Anderson himself. And Steve Anderson somewhat sponsors him or sponsors him. 
But we're going to get that story when we get to the third segment of the show, when we actually do the interview so everybody can actually take a look at J. Bill and understand his drive and what's going on with him. So I met J. Bill last year at the, the North Carolina um, level two match that was going on up there. And it's a very unique character, but in my personal opinion, I think he came in and took carry optics by storm, you know, my personal take on it, but um, remarkable shooter. And we're going to have a conversation with him here in the upcoming minutes into the third segment of the show. But pushing on with the show, I do want to ask you, what was your take on the five minutes with Sergeant Gomez? I liked it. It seems like we may need a little longer than five minutes, especially with the three of us talking, <laughs> or mainly you and Dave talking. But um, I, I liked it. I think it's a, a good segment to add. Um, get someone else's questions um, just for us to answer. I think, I think it's a good, good addition to the podcast. I think so as well. Um, as I stated beforehand, I never, he actually threw the idea at me and I was like, yeah, that, that sounds good to me. And from that point, I never like sat down and tried to structure it out or anything. That was just a freestyle moment. Whereas um, he came up with the time frame, which was five minutes. And I just came up with the title five minutes with Sergeant Gomez right. and everything else after that, you know, like I said, it was just his structure of what he wanted to do. The only thing I told him, okay, what we're going to do is I'm going to come up with an intro for you. And then the show is yours, do whatever you want to do. And the only thing he told me was, um, I just want to ask questions to um, your panel, whereas it kind of, hits the the new shooter more or people who want to get into competition more or along that ballpark and i was just like okay let's do it you know so i really didn't put no structure into it but i thought it was something different something unique and something positive right i know we have asked for people to write in and give us topics that they would like for us to talk about so i guess that kind of does that mm -hmm. i just wish more people would write in give us topics oh, that no. they would like to hear about yeah there were a few people when they did write in everything was based off of political you know like the political platform right and um one of my number one rules is i refuse to talk politics and religion publicly right i mean you know i'm saying so that's that's always been something I've done I picked up from the military as well so um I, I just won't do it <laughs> and, and if I do it I'm grazing the outer edge of it but then I'm jumping off of it you know so that's just my thought of it but um I'm curious to see what he's going to do um, when he comes back with another portion of five minutes with Sergeant Gomez and see how he does it right so um something fun something fun but I wanted to ask you this, and this right here would be the main talking points going into this week. 
you took the RO class last year. So you're an actual range officer for USPSA. Yes. Now, before taking the RO class, how did you feel about the rule set and the understanding of the sport off of what you've seen, what I stated to you, and then a little bit of what other people were stating to you? Because at one point in time, you was more like, I really don't care what nobody has to say. As long as I'm doing the right thing, I'm good. At least that's what it looked like to me. Before taking the RO class, I felt like I had an understanding of the sport. Mm -hmm. But I also felt like I didn't know my, I'll say my rights in a sense, as far as whether to argue uh, a call or... I guess basically someone could just tell me anything and it would be okay because I didn't know the rules. Um, whereas I've seen just by shooting the matches um, and being at the matches with you, people argue anything and it was like, oh, okay. And then there's some people who may not be an RO, but they know all the rules. So they will step up and say, oh, wait, well, what about this? And help whoever the shooter is out, in a sense. Um, so I think taking the RO class definitely um, gives you an advantage, in a sense, just because you know the rules, you know how to, I guess, argue a call, in a sense. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but. Um, I think what you're trying to say is game it. You know how to uh, game it. Better. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I would agree with that. All right. So um, I honestly think that by being an RO, it does help you game it a little bit better, but it also gives you a better perspective of the rules, in a sense, to keep the competition going flowing very well I don't believe that anybody will use the rules against people right um and the reason I say that is you know like how you some people will tell you something wrong I don't think nobody in USPSA will tell you anything wrong if they don't particularly like look at you as somebody who they would favor I think what they would do is not guide you in that direction of leading you like, okay, if you do this, think about this. If you do that, this right here could happen in a possible DQ. You know what I'm saying? Because obviously if you don't know, you might stumble onto the right question, but chances are you're just asking a question and it's just like you're, the, you're blinding yourself leading. Right. You're walking in a dark room, your hands just in front of you, but you're not asking those specific questions. And the only reason I say that is because I know that happened to me back when I first started shooting USPSA, whereas I was at shooting at this particular club, but the certain members were not guiding me the proper way. Right. At least, um, at least that's how I looked at it. 
And one instance is that I can clearly remember this one stage, it was kind of spread out and it had you shooting off to the left and then you had to take off running, which was more to the right to the next set of walls and barriers that you had to shoot around. The first set was an open target. So, and you had to have like, I think it was like a baby in your arm or something to that effect. And I remember asking a specific question, something like if I was to start shooting and then backing up because you couldn't shoot going forward past the line. So my idea was to shoot moving backwards, right? Which by the time I came all the way back, it put me in line with the part where I got to put the baby down because basically you're shooting one-handed. And the RO told me if I was to do that, he was going to disqualify me. Knowing what I know now, you know, and even thinking back back then, I, you know, you can shoot on the move. Right. But why would he tell me that, right. <laughs> you know, by me asking that question? So um, that was one point that really drove me into looking for the rules, understanding the rules, because this is, like I said, some people can just tell you anything. And then if you were in a situation like I was in, whereas certain people didn't want me out shooting that sport at that range um their perception to me was they would take the money but then they would look to dq you right you know what i'm saying so i think you know taking that ro class was a matter that actually helped in that instance right for me so um but now do you think it after taking the class too much thought and to the rules, do you think that kind of helped or hindered you in any type of way? Or do you just like, okay, I know better now and it just kind of takes a lot of pressure off of you? I think it kind of takes pressure off um, mm -hmm. just because I know what to do um, as far as me as a shooter. Um, me being me, my personality, um, being the RO, um, Honestly, I really don't like doing the RO duties. <laughs> I don't mind running the tablet. Just let me run the tablet and enter data. I'm good with that. That's always been my thing. But um, doing the whole um, having to call the shots or DQ someone, that's just, I guess, something I just don't like doing. Yeah. Um, I've seen it work both ways, whereas... Some people will help their friends by being the RO. And, but at the same time, those same people that was helping their friends be the RO, they was sharing that wealth across the board. You know, so um, like for instance, one time, this one match, these two people, they was talking smack to each other, but you could tell they was genuinely friends. And the one guy went up there, he didn't clearly understand the stage. And but they was going back at back and forth against each other, and it was funny. Then when the guy got up there to shot, he did something wrong. And when he did something, it did actually call for a reshoot. And then, you know, they gave him the option to do the reshoot or whatever the case may be, and then he actually went ahead and did it. But in that sense of speaking, you know, by having that RO duty, right you are like the the bearer of the continuation of you know what i'm saying and 
of course, I've had some unexperienced people like they took RO class and then their next match, next major match was them doing that RO duty. Right. <laughs> and um, not clearly understanding the rules that can hurt somebody in a big way. And when I say hurt somebody in a big way, you know, there are people who are getting paid to do what they're doing. And that one bad call can either end that person's, you know, journey with that company because of a bad call or um, it can like put it just a bad light, you know, because you don't know what you're doing. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Um, and at the end of the day, you know how some people be like, well, the rules are the rules. The call was the call. Right. Right. And if it was a bad call, you know, even think about, you know, watching an NFL game or NBA game or any type of professional sport and the referee made a bad call. <laughs> How does that turn out? Mm -hmm. And goes down in the history books in a sense of speaking. But, um, and like I said, once again, that happened to me at a major match not too long ago. And I did put a video up on this on Instagram and Facebook, whereas I was going to activate the activator for this one stage and I was hitting the stick, the stick came undone from the table and you can clearly see it in the video how it's the stick unhinged from the prop the prop and I'm sitting there hitting it and by me doing that the RO should have said stop because it was my range malfunction and his remark to me was you know you got to activate it buddy right and I was like what in the world so according to the rules and once again if you don't know the rules if you would have stopped yourself that's how it would have been ruled. Like, well, you stop yourself. I didn't stop you because you always notice the RO just sits back there and just kind of looks at you. He doesn't give any guidance or anything because in the sport, you can't get the coaching, right? You can at a level one match, especially if you're a new shooter, but at a major match, nobody can coach you, right? And the RO can't help you out in any type of way. So, um, of course, what I actually ended up doing was just shooting the targets I think I was just blazing. I really wasn't trying to get shot placement. And I got to the end and shot the last array. And then of course, after he gave me the command, that's when I made the comment, like, yo, you were supposed to stop me back there when that prop did not work. Right. I should not have continued through this course. And then his argument was during the briefing, they told him that um, it's the shooter's responsibility to get it to activate. And I was like, no, if you hit the prop and it doesn't activate, you're supposed to stop that range right there. You're supposed to stop everything and reset it and figure out why this isn't working the way it's supposed to work. And if you can't repair it, now you need to call Mr. Fix-It or somebody and get them over here for this. And we actually ended up calling um, uh, Manny was the guy we called, but his position, I think he was the match director. And when he came over there, he actually ruled it in my favor, prepared the stage. And then I went through and I ran it again. Right. But the way the RO did it, you know, that wasn't justified. Now, what if I was a new shooter and this was my first or second match and that took place? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And but in my defense, also, the other shooters on the squad were defending me. Right. Also. So everybody was speaking up in that regard. So. Yeah, I think yeah. for me, that's how with the RO, being that RO, 
I don't want to make that mistake. And because I know for me, the, um, the stopping and whatnot, even though it's not your fault, kind of messes, plays with your mind. So um, I just don't want to be in that position, I guess. Well, you also got to remember on a regular stage, like a level two match, there should be at least three ROs. Right. Unless it's something so simple, like you're not moving, you might have to, depending on however they're set up and their staff help it. You know, but normally a level two match normally has about three ROs per stage. Right. Um, a level two match, you got to remember you have two ROs. I mean, a level one match, you have two ROs. So the person that's doing the RO and the person that's doing the tablet should be an RO also. But everybody is an RO when it comes to safety. Right. You know what I'm saying? So if you do an unsafe act, anybody can yell stop. Right. And then you explain it or whatever. And now the person who's actual RO, he can make that final decision off of what you did. Now, if you was the one that actually turned around 360 degrees going from like from right to left, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. sweeping everybody, there's no argument in that. Right. But if you saw something that was kind of eerie or whatever the case may be now by you being a, like a spectator in a sense, you're not doing anything. You're just shooting and you notice the unsafe act and if you stop it. Everybody's going to, you know, our role is going to stop the shooter and then give him the command to put it back in the holster. And now the discussion is going to be, okay, why did you call stop this time or another? And then the RO will make that determination if it's going to happen. So, just don't think because, you know, you're the RO and not just you, every, anybody who's listening, who wants to get into competition shooting or they're new to competition shooting, the main duty just doesn't fall on one person. It's a check the box type thing where, you know, right. checks and balances rather than not check the box, but checks and balances of the safety aspect of the sport. Right. You know, so, um, but that's one thing that is a plus because even like when I was first diving into um, trying to do the RO stuff, I was asking a ton of questions, you know, but I was also the main one. That, hey, let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. And then if something did happen, um, especially Jenny, Jenny was one of the main people who actually helped me with RO. And when she would sit there and talk to me, if it was like a tough call or whatever, she'll be like, okay, make the call. And then if I made the call, but I didn't say it like out loud or whatever, I'll kind of whisper it to her. And then if it was something that was kind of against the rules, then she'll kind of like, okay, look at this, think about this. But da -da 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 -da. And then of course, by her knowing the rules like that, it would kind of push me into the right direction of making that call. Right. You know. So, um, but like I said, there are some people out there who will help you. But um, it's just a matter of you actually getting into the rule book and reading the rules and understanding the sport a little bit better. Right. But in that same sense, by being an RO, it does help push the sport, you know, um, forward because it's all volunteer. Nobody gets paid to do RO duties unless you go to a level two or level three match and then they do compensate you in one or two ways, you know. Right. So um, now let me ask you, by you taking the RO class, what are some of the positives? Well, let me see, three positives and three negatives from the RO class that you took away from? 
Well, just knowing the rules. Um, and that's one of the main things is I know the rules. And then... Is that the positive or negative? That's positive. Okay. It's knowing the rules. Um, and then I would say... just being able to help out with the sport to move the um move the match along i guess um would be another positive okay um i don't know what the other one okay so do you have any negatives from the oral class um i would say one of the biggest negatives is sometimes you get in a position where you're always an RO and you don't have time to think about your own stage plan and what you're going to do. That's for me has been one of the biggest um, negatives of being an RO. <laughs> but I told you how to fix that though. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't want to do it. <laughs> I did finally. Yeah. But I did it. yeah. So like in an instance when that happens, whereas people are constantly throwing it in your, the timer in your face to be the RO or, you know, you're just assuming that duty. Easiest thing to do is just put that timer on the table and you just sit there and look at it, but don't even say anything. That's right. the easiest way to do it. You know, because you got to remember you're actually paid to shoot that match also. So even though you are volunteering to be that RO, your duty is to shoot and have fun. Right. Your duty isn't to go out and officiate and make sure everybody else is having fun. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, like I said, when that happens, if you don't speak up for yourself, that's what actually ends up taking place. You know, people take advantage of that situation. Right, right. You know, so um, but I've seen that time and time again, and um that's happened to me a few times before. And when that actually happened to me, that's exactly what I did. I just put the timer down. And then of course, you know, somebody says something to me and I was like, okay, I'm not the only RO here, but just like you paid for your match, I paid for the match also. But are you going to let me come up with my stage plan or am I just going to go into it blind, even though I'm ROing people, you know? And then that's when people was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, you don't have to get ugly about it. Um, there's, you know, a professional courtesy when it comes to it. Right. You know, but um, I've actually, the only reason I say that is because somebody else told me that. And when I actually seen somebody do it, I was like, okay, that's that's how it works. So it isn't like you got to say anything or just be ugly about it. You know, um, hey, it's my time. Um, I, I need to prepare to get, you know, my stage plan together and everything. I'm a competitor just like everybody else. You know, um, so you don't have to get ugly about it. You know, it's just professional courtesy that's right. how, how I label it right you know um now you did have the opportunity to do the CRO class and at first you was like okay I'm all in but then you was like mm -mm, I'm not doing that <laughs> <laughs> now um do you feel like you was ready to take on CRO duties or did you just pull back because you didn't feel like you your feet was wet enough into the rules I think it was more um, a little bit of both, maybe. Um, I feel like CRO puts you at a different level. Yes, it does. Um, and 
in my opinion, you need to know the rules completely, like um, front, back, every which way. You need to know the rules. And I don't think I've put in enough time to know the rules well enough to be CRO. Um, the one person that, um, well, with Dave being CRO and um, him answering questions for you, for me, you know, I don't think I'm at that level. Um, when we worked the South Carolina State match last year, watching um, Mr. Gary, mm -hmm. um, it was like he, he knew everything there was about the rules. So to me, if I'm going to do something, I want to be good at it. And I don't want there to be room for error. So um, I don't think I was ready for CRO. Um, it's, it's nothing wrong with that. Not to be ashamed of. At least you was honest enough to say that. Whereas a lot of people, they'll just dive into it and, oh, I got another tick under my belt and moving forward with it. And they're not being honest with themselves, but at least, you know, you're being honest with it. And even when you looked at um, Gary and Mr. Gary is Gary McConnell, who is the match director for TAC2 in Tennessee. Yeah. He um been doing RO duties or he's been shooting the sport since the 80s. Right. So even when you turn around and you look at it, how many times have he seen the same thing happen in a match? So it's easier for him to make the call versus you just started doing RO duties, what, last year? 2019, October 2019. I'm still thinking it's 2020. So yeah, so <laughs> year before last. And every time you've done the RO duties, right, it's from a local match, but majority of the time, as you stated earlier, you were doing the tablet, but every now and then you would ask a question about something that was different to you. But think about when Mr. Gary started, Right. you know what I'm saying? It was like the sport was literally formulating then. So it was different for him versus you now. 10 years from now, yeah, you'll be that same person. Like, nope, 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 you can't do this, you can't do that, or this is how the rules say, you know, whatever the case may be, and then rattle off the rule number. Right. Like for me right now, I can only tell you like, oh yeah, I know this because I read it in the rule book, right? And I can go back in the book and find it again. I just can't tell you the chapter, the page, the sub paragraph. <laughs> like right. um, Mike Adams and his wife, Diane, that's how they are. They can actually rattle off where they actually, where you can actually find that information. And there's a few other people that can do that also, but um, that's just years of experience. Right. That's, that's all it really is. So, um, and once again, it goes back into, you know, for the sport to keep going, that needs to take place. Whereas people get into it and then it's like a torch handoff. Right. You know, so when they step down, they pass it off to somebody else and they just keep it going. That'd be you. Uh, in a sense of speaking. <laughs> 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 speak. <laughs> All right. So, um, but I do want to encourage everybody to please go out there. And um, if you are new to the sport of shooting, or if you've been doing this sport for a while and you want to get better with the rule set, take an RO class and you will get a breakdown of the understanding of the sport better. And then 
you can be one of the officials that can pace the match and keep it going every weekend at a local level or pitching and help out on a level two and level three match. And there are some incentives that are given by working those level two and level three matches as well. You know, um, next week when the mad scientist comes back, we can actually ask him, you know, a little bit more in depth because he has a little bit more experience because he is a match director also. And he has shot way more level two and level three matches than I have. So but we can re, you know, hash that topic or like a brief before we move on to the other topics next week and get his take on it. Right. You know. Yeah. So um but thank you for giving me your take from, as I call it, the female perspective or the coach B perspective. <laughs> on um taking an RO class and of course you know like I said just talking with you offline I did ask you a few questions in regards to RO training but I never really dove into it like we did today so thank you for sharing your thoughts and at least being honest enough to say why you did something and why you didn't do something right yeah so but let's go ahead and jump into this next commercial break. And when we come back off this commercial break, um, it will be the interview with Jay Bill. And um, let's hear what he has to say about his drive and shooting competition, how he actually linked up with Steve Anderson and how and why everything is going for him right now. You know, so, um, but yeah, let's go ahead and do that and, Everybody, please stay in your seats, and here are a few words from our sponsors. Hey, this is Brian Conley with Hunter's HD Gold, and you are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-WTactical. The Gun Cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with concealed carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. 
CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc.com at gmail.com. Thank you. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical. This is Coach B from M-W Tactical. And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is we are making a professional movie and it's going to be about our day-to-day -day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting gofundme.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training. Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe. All right, good people. We're back at it again, and thank you for sitting through that commercial break. And as we said earlier, we have the one, the only, J-Bill we're about to do an interview with. But before we even get into the interview, if you don't know who J-Bill is, you was probably like me when I first heard of J-Bill. I'm like, who is this guy? After watching him shoot, I was actually amazed. And then just watching his videos and trying to break it down, I'm like, yo, where has this guy been hiding at? Then, of course, when I was talking to Steve Anderson, Steve Anderson was saying, like, how he kind of worked with them. He, you know, gave him advice and everything. Then he started sponsoring him. And then I actually met him. And then I actually saw him shoot in person. And I was like, yo, this guy is something like a phenomenon, <laughs> you know. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Jay Bill to the M-W Tactical Podcast. How's it going for you, Jay? Hey, Mike. It's really cool to be here. Hey, it's that's awesome. what it is right there. So like I said, it's an honor to be in your presence on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Oh, really? Oh, man. that's I don't deserve that. <laughs> no, nah, come on, man. You're, you're deserving of it. You're deserving of it. <laughs> All right. So um, kicking off the first question, because as you already know beforehand, I don't write any questions down. So it's just a general conversation. So who is Jay Bill? How can you describe who is J. Bill? Yeah, um, man, that's a, that's a good question, Mike. I, uh, I am a regular person who has a, a really strong passion for um, becoming the best that I can at 
a specific thing. Um, and, and in this case right now it is, it is, uh, action pistol it's USPSA. Um, and so that's, that's kind of who I am. I, I, I get really laser focused on, on a thing and, um, and almost all of my kind of mental power is dedicated towards that. Um, I, that's taken the question a little bit off. Um, and I guess if we bring it back, like I, I'm kind of a, I'm a regular guy. I work on a farm. Um, I have a, a beautiful wife and a son and, uh, we, we kind of just, we do our thing and I travel a little bit to, to shoot matches and stuff. And um, I'm kind of new at this uh, in the sense of like competing in USPSA. It's been just about three years um, or a little over three years, I think at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of who I am. I, I just, I just love shooting. I love the, um, I mean, I, I love talking about shooting. That's why, like, if, if anybody ever asked to have me on a podcast, I'm always like, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I, and it's most, and, and I always say this, but like, it's, it's selfish on my part because I gain understanding through talking about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, if you, if you send me a message on Instagram or if you want to talk, like I'm, I'm always always I'll always make time for it because I can learn from it um I learn from everybody right. and so that's that's it yeah and you know that's the best part about it that you have that open mindset to say hey I'm willing to learn and move forward with it so um that's not selfish at all to even say that you know because <laughs> actually speaking I would say you're probably in the three percent of people who actually think like that because how many other people actually learn from hands-on and the visual aspect, but you're learning through conversation and you can actually visualize all that conversation oh, to yeah. make your game stronger or help somebody else's game get stronger. Yeah. So no idea. I, I hope people get something out of it. That's good. Oh yeah. That's a, you know, byproduct, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's how I go. So let me ask you, how did you actually get started with shooting? So I'm going to, I'll keep it on the shorter side because um, we could talk forever about that stuff. And I, and I have on <laughs> their podcast, but um, mm-hmm. I, I started shooting because I was interested in, in carrying a pistol. Um, and so I started competing in USPSA with my carry gear from concealment. Um, and so I got up and, and built up like a, I had a, a Glock 17 that I put a compensator on. I had a red dot on there. Um, and I was, I would carry it from appendix, um, with, uh, with a, a, a shirt over. Um, so I would draw from concealment, shoot, shoot from there, do reloads. And, um, and I guess that, that whole thing started because I had heard Steve, Steve Anderson on another podcast and, and he had talked about uh, how kind of his process, he kind of like talked about USPSA, his process, his, him being able to make grandmaster. And I think he did it in like, you know, nine months or something like that. And, um, and then I, I wanted to be a grandmaster. That, that was, 
that was it. I was like, whatever it takes, like, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I was just going to do it with my, the gear that I had. Uh, so I competed in USPSA for, um, with, from concealment for almost a year. Um, and I made master in like seven months and then wasn't, or didn't quite make grandmaster from concealment. So that's, that puts you in the open division, um, with a red dot, if you're going to be shooting from, from concealment because the, the holster positions in front and I have a red dot and a compensator on. Um, and then after about nine months, I switched over to carry optics. Uh, and I guess that, that doesn't really line up yet. Uh, it's nine months from concealment and then switched over to carry optics. And it's been like that for the past two and a half years or so. Okay. So now, um, when you actually made that switch, did you find it difficult or you found the bug and say, this is where I need to be, or are you actually looking forward to go to another division? Yeah, it was, I kind of wanted to play the game in a more pure sense. Um, so like there was concealment is, is awesome. And I think that like doing that at a really high level is, um, is really cool, but there is some limitations there because you're competing against other people with race holsters, magazine pouches that you don't have to clear a cover garment to get to. Um, there's a lot that's like, all right, hold on. Let me just go and I'm going to switch over to carry optics because I basically already have the gun. I'll just take the compensator off and, and, and the magwell and all that. Um, and I can play the game and be competitive within that group of people mm -hmm. um, and so I want I wanted to play the game I, I was at that point like extremely committed to it and yeah it was a pretty it's a pretty good pretty big switch going from concealment to outside the waistband stuff because I had never drawn from a outside the waistband holster um, game altogether <laughs> and so it was a different game <laughs> so there was there was I mean uh, it's all sorted out in dry fire and so that's where I went for sure okay so now how did the link up between you and Steve Anderson actually take place? Uh, that's, it's funny. Cause like Steve has his perspective on it and I have mine and they're, they're the same, but there's just the opposite side of the story. So um, <laughs> I, I, before I even started competing in USPSA, I was listening to Steve's podcast, that shooting show. And so <laughs> I, I feel like I, I knew him and like, I've been listening to that podcast for almost two years. And then, um, a buddy of mine who we shoot up, shoot with up here, um, hosted Steve for a class and I got to take the class. And so I got to meet Steve in person there and we, I never sent him a message. I, maybe I emailed him one time with a question or something like that. Um, but we had never met before. And, um, and it was really cool to meet Steve and finally get to tell him like, Hey, I use your dry fire drills. I made grandmaster. Um, and this was like a month after I made GM too. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was like, I got to meet him, got to talk to him and then got to learn a ton, like in person from him in the class. Um, and that's how we kind of got, got linked up. Um, and then a few months after that, uh, Steve got, got a hold of me and, and wanted to kind of get going with a, with a team, um, for Anderson shooting.com. So that's, that's kind of where that started. And then he, 
kind of that's been built from there. So we have like Mark Sue and um, and Garrett John Evans from South Africa, um, who is a national cha- he's a national champion right now um, in standard division over there. So um, oh, nice. So we've got an awesome group, and then and then all of this stuff like so much has been taken from from Steve. Like I mean, I've listened to his entire back catalog of podcasts which is like nine years worth. Oh my goodness. I think That's it's like, it's right nine, now. nine years. Now mm-hmm. you can get through a lot of those at two times speed, but I've listened to them at regular speed once through at least once or twice through and then doubled up speed again because, and there's so much information there um, mm-hmm. that, that Steve has absorbed from like Lanny Basham uh, about the mental game and, and so many other people and kind of put it together in a, in a place where you can, Man, if you if you get that information, you can run with it, and it's it's so exciting. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. It really is. So like when Steve was here, when he came to Columbia, South Carolina for his class, and when he and I was talking, he was telling me about you, and somebody else had proposed some challenge or something, and however it was, it was like an unloaded start, um, firearm on the table. And he was like, how fast do you think somebody can actually, you know, pick up a firearm and put a magazine in the fire and the handgun and then fire it? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, uh, I would say like round about two seconds, close to two seconds. And he said, hold on, I got to um, text Jay Bill and have him do it and <laughs> send me video. <laughs> you actually did it. And he was like, holy cow, he did it in like one point something. It was something I can't remember the exact time. And I was like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, he said you had said it and then he had told you to send a video or something. I can't really, it was like. I remember when Steve texted me about that. I was like, why is yeah. Steve texting me with the unload? Like, he's like, what's a good time for unloaded start? Like, I don't. Yeah. And I, I like guessed it. I was like, maybe a second, maybe a second would be good. And then I went and dry fired it and I was at like 1.4, 1. 1.2. Maybe I had it 1.2. It was and then I did because like I said, we were sitting in my kitchen when we had that conversation. And when he asked me, I'm sitting there and I was like, hold on. I pulled my, my gun out the safe and I'm sitting there and I'm doing it. And I was like, okay, so that's cold start. So I'm sitting there and I'm trying to game it and everything. And I was like literally over two seconds. So it was like 2.3, 2.4 like that. And I was like, so somebody who's, you know, do it all the time or practice unloaded starts because I don't practice unloaded starts like that. So I was like, okay, if somebody was to do that regularly, they got to be a close to like 1.5, 1.6 or something. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. when, we- <laughs> yo, he said he could do it like this. And obviously, I guess you sent the video. He was like, holy cow. He was all excited about it. And <laughs> so but- that, that's a that's really funny because that that's cool. It's cool to get things like that because I don't practice stuff like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cool to like get a part time and push it down. And then you can with a table start like that. It's really funny because you, you do the thing where you like lay the magazine on the table and then slam it, smash it into the gun and then mm-hmm. rack the slide in one kind of motion. Mm-hmm. And that's not reliable at all. But that was when I tried live fire. And <laughs> bare, I, I think I put a video up, but right under a second, I think I got nine point nine six to an alpha at like seven yards. Um, nice. But that was it's not reliable to do it that way. So the other way was like 1.2, 1.5-ish. Yeah. Right. So like I said, I, I remember that day and um, and it was something I never spoke to anybody about or anything like that because I was more like, 
okay, that's Steve's thing. He's doing it for whatever reason. And I never asked a reason, but um, I was just like, okay. I remember that that day when it happened and he actually said your name <laughs> and everything. So I was like, wow, that's pretty remarkable right there. And then that's when he had showed me, started showing me videos of you shooting. And I was like, what, what does he shoot? All right. Cause I thought you was going to prepare, um, prepare for open. And then he mm-hmm. stated that, no, you was doing carry optics. And he said, I think he's like in love with carry optics, but he might push the open. And I was like, okay, cool. And then of course, over the course of time, watching the videos you put up, I was like, this guy's very methodical about his movement and gun movement. <laughs> it was like everything is like one piece is moving like three items at the same time. And the best video I would tell somebody to watch is the one where Steve is holding the timer and you're leaving one shooting position, going to another shooting position. It was like a box. So you're oh, yeah, leaving yeah. the one box to a, another box. And it was like, everything was perfect. Whereas when you were shooting, you're shooting, leaning out the box and getting that last shot off your foot hits. You go to the next box. And I think there was a reload in there, if I remember correctly, but going, no, no, it wasn't a reload. So it was just going from one box to the next box. And then as soon as you, your foot hits in and that other foot just comes off the ground, it was perfect. It was like, you couldn't time it no better. And it was just the way you, you can tell you practiced it, you thought about it and okay, this is what I have to do and everything. So, yeah. but I was like, yo, that is the perfect video to watch when you want to talk about somebody draw firing mindset and dedication. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. Mike. Hey, like I said, I'm just hey, being honest, man. Just being I, honest. I, I can't. Okay. So I can't go, I can't go playing open because we've got David Lyle there and he's way too good. So, <laughs> I he's like way too fast. I mean, stuff's crazy. He just is fearless, fearless. Oh my goodness. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, want to know something strange about Dave? I don't think Dave realizes how fast he is. You, you I don't like think how... so either. So we gotta keep talking about it on, on podcasts and then maybe he'll realize it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, have you ever met somebody who don't know their own strength? Like that's how I look at Dave. Like he doesn't realize where his level of competition is and then i'm like okay dude you're competing against somebody like jj Rakaza, mm-hmm. right and then he like he said it nonchalantly one day like oh yeah you know jj put this drill up yeah i beat it and then he just went to the next topic of whatever we was talking about and i'm like hold on what did you just say <laughs> he said yeah i'm gonna put the video up later yeah he just kept talking like he wanted to get off of that topic i was like okay well, he don't want to talk about it but I was kind of blown away with that because you actually see what JJ does and how the dedication he puts into it. And Dave is just like, yeah, yeah, it's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Like whatever. Let's let's go get a hot dog and call it a day. (laughs) 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 So, um, oh man. Yeah. But, um, the whole thing is what is your, your dry fire regime? Like what, like how often do you practice or like from, when you wake up to the end of the day, what's your regime like? Yeah, so it kind of with I, this isn't what I do for a job. So, right. So I, I mean, typical days I I get up and um, I dry fire in the morning, uh, mm. and that kind of gets it that sets it out. It's done. It's done in the morning, um, and and then. 
I have the rest of the day. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to do it when I'm tired at the end of the day. I'm, it's the first thing I do. Um, so the, the structure of it is something I've been playing around with a little bit more recently and kind of actually writing down ahead of time what I'm going to do. Um, whether it's like five minutes before I start or the day before, I'll, I'll write out, you know, three or six items that I'm going to work on. Um, and, and then I'll do those items for like five or 10 minutes per item. Mm -hmm. And then, and then once I'm done with those, then I'll stop. Um, and so, you know, like 30 minutes, an hour, um, kind of tight for time sometimes. So I feel like I can be really productive in 30 minutes, um, and get a lot done. And mm -hmm. I think earlier on, I would do, I would do an hour or more um, when I was kind of starting out, um, and that that is based off of Steve's first twelve drills from refinement and repetition. So those are like the gun handling skills: draws, reloads, um, strong hand, weak hand, uh, and transitions. Like everything is in there, um, and so that's the format that I still use now. So that format is you know, like three to five minutes per drill mm -hmm. and then move on to the next drill. Um, and that's kind of like the format that I do for, for dry fire. Um, and then live fires, um, live fire is tricky now. I mean, it's tricky for a lot of people. Right. Um, and so that's kind of really similar, except it's, it's one thing that I'm going out to do. Um, and it's one, maybe one drill, one exercise that I'm going to go out and do. And I'm, I'm lucky where I can kind of live fire on my own property kind of really close by. And so I can go out and set something up and leave it set up and revisit it maybe later on in the day, multiple times a day um, and get back out and do that. So I don't shoot a lot round count wise, but I'll, I'll, it's really frequent if that makes sense. All right. Well, I can actually say, for me, a perfect world dry fire is I will wake up, I will do a session of dry fire, and I will turn around and do another session, like right before lunch, another okay. session after lunch, and then another session like an hour before I go to bed. Perfect yeah. world. That's <laughs> yeah. it. That would be a perfect world. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I have the time whereas I can do that, you know, and I've done it for a while there was something that took place around no November timeframe and it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. So I haven't been dry firing the way I should be dry firing. And I'm going to dive back into it tonight, full time, <laughs> like nice. get back into yes. the way I need to. And the last technique that I was really working on, and this was like the week before last, the last technique that I was really working on was my reloads. And, you know, Travis um, Tomasi has this drill, whereas when you do a reload, you want it to be smooth as it's going in. Squish. But, yeah, so <laughs> he, he has that 25 count. So I was like, you know, I'm not doing 25. I'll do 10 starting off and build my way up to 25. Mm -hmm. So when I was doing it, I felt kind of good with it, you know, putting it in. And I was like, okay, I feel good on this. And then I was watching one of your videos 
Whereas you was actually talking about, you know, Tomasi's drill, but yet you incorporated movement with yours. And it was just a simple box movement. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do that same exact thing. So when I would do it, I would do the same thing, just going to the left five times, going forward five times, to the right five times, and moving to the mm-hmm. rear five times. You know, and then um, of course, if I mess up, and uh, I'll start that count all over again until I get to ten. You know, what I'm saying, yeah. and just keep it going like that. So I was like, okay, I like that. I like that. You know, so but twenty five, I got to build up twenty five because <laughs> you know how that can go. That's it's not easy. <laughs> no, no, it's not easy at all. So. Um, that, that, that drill in itself is like such a, um, I I would love to talk to Travis about this, but, uh, like mental, it's a challenge like Mm -hmm. mentally, because you literally have to just do the same exact thing that you've done the same exact way. Right. So you can't try to improve anything. You can't try to do anything different. And I, that was I've never done anything like that before. And that was from Travis. I got the idea from Travis. Um, and dang, that, oh, that's such a, it's, it's really challenging. It can become frustrating, but oh, that's yeah. the other part to it. Like what's your reaction if you miss a reload? Um, and there's so much wrapped up in that, in that set of 25 reloads. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know like um, I had coach B watching me do it one time and she kept saying like, wow, that was really smooth. But when I'm doing it, you know, I'm looking for the swish, the swish, but I can mm-hmm. feel the clunk, 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 clunk. <laughs> and I was like, no, it should be smooth. It should be smooth. I shouldn't feel that, that two beats, that two beats in it when I'm putting it in. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm not seeing that. So she videotaped me. And I'm not certain if I put it up on Instagram or not. But when she was videotaping me, as I'm looking at it, it looked like it was all smooth. But I can. I was like, okay, on this one, I remember it being two bumps in it, like pump up, and I can feel the bumps as it's going in instead of the straight, the straight set that I needed it to be, you know. So I was just like, okay, cool, cool, cool. But then, like I said, um, I had an incident that took place around about November timeframe, put a bad taste in my mouth. So I was just like taking a break. But now yeah. I'm going. I'm going to pick it back up again, only because um, we have that um, South Carolina section. That's coming up in April. So I need yes. to prepare for that. <laughs> so yeah. Will you be coming down for that one? I I was going to. Um, and then I it's tough with uh, so I'm on a farm and so we have we have goats and they give mm-hmm. birth um in right in April. And so it's like the craziest time. Um and it's really hard to get away. So I I was I was about to get signed up. We're we're I'm you know good buddies with uh John from Outdoor Dynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we were gonna gonna shoot with him and and it's it's close well i'll be coming down for the north carolina section now, or okay. carolina classic in right. september yeah but yeah I, I wish i could maybe another year <laughs> oh yeah so now you also know that um last year when we shot the north carolina match at that's where area six is going to be this year yes you know so and then of course nationals i think that's in talladega if it is correctly yeah so um but you know like i said last year with the whole outbreak of the um, the covid how that took place and shifted everything that time schedule was almost perfect how they pushed everything to the right 
And now this year is kind of spread mm-hmm. out a little bit more. And I'm like, no, I need it to be like it was last year because that was perfect because it was like everything was on top of each other. I kind of liked it too. <laughs> yeah, I liked it like that also. So I was like, no, no, that's what we need to go back to and just end that nationals, you know. So yeah, yeah. But what's next for J Bill? Um, so I a lot of things. Um mainly I always feel like and I've heard other people say this too, but like, I'm, I'm going to keep doing this until I, I don't feel like I'm getting any better. Um, and I feel like I'm getting better every day. Um, even if it's just a little bit. So I'm really kind of dialing in on, on mental training, um, and, and kind of mental rehearsal and visualization, um, and, and continuing to work that because I, I feel like, and, and Steve and I have talked about this before, but like the, the technical skills are, are a, a, a simple process to get to a really high level. It, just, it, it takes a certain amount of hours training. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the mental skills are sometimes harder to talk about um, and harder to get like a pure system down for, for developing. Right. And so, so I'm really working on kind of developing my system for that. And, and at the same time, kind of through, through mental management from Lanny Basham that Steve teaches now kind of building up, Lanny has it like in the three circles. So you have like conscious, subconscious, subconscious skill, subconscious skill, and the self image. Mm -hmm. Um, And really kind of, and he has them in circles and the ideal state is to have all those circles be the same size so that you, um, that all of them are balanced out. So your, your conscious skill, what you know you can do and your subconscious skill, like what you can do without even thinking about it and your self-image, which is your, your habits and attitudes are all that same size circle so that when you go and compete, you maximize everything there. Um, right. and then the self image stuff is, is almost the, I think Dave, Dave's talked about it a little bit before you guys talked about the journal, um, right. the performance analysis journal a little bit. And that's mm-hmm. like, that's also what I've been doing, um, for the past six months or so. Um, and, and that's really been important for me is in, in building that and kind of like, I know so many people like it's what the journal does that makes your self-image grow is lets you talk about it it makes it okay to tell yourself that you're good at something Mm -hmm. like a lot of people won't admit to themselves that they're they're like they're good at certain things um and that it's okay to go and win like it's you don't have to you I don't know. Again, like we're, we're running into it right now where it's hard to talk about because we, there's a fine line of, you don't want to say something that sounds arrogant and you don't want to say (laughs) it because like, and so in it, when you write a thing you want and and that's for you to see, and it's for you to go back and read. Mm -hmm. And um, that self image part, I think unlocks the, the subconscious skill. Right. that you get to perform at a match. 
that you already have because you've trained it and you've and you've built it. Um, this is a really long answer to the question of what I, what's next no, for you. No. This is what's next. Yeah, it's actually perfect because you're actually stating it how you actually visualizing it. And as we already stated beforehand, the way you look at something and how somebody else looks at it, especially when it comes to shooting, it's going to be on two different levels because the way you actually, well, I think your life experiences actually has a lot to do with how you adapt to stuff. So for you to, to try to talk to somebody about sight picture and how I talk to somebody about sight picture, it's life experiences that make it relatable. So that's how we got to do it. So whatever your life experience was in relation to that topic, that's how you're going to describe it. You know, so that, that that's how it pans out for me. So I don't know if that's the right answer or not, <laughs> you know. I, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Sense. As long as we're on the same sheet. As long as we're on the same sheet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, throughout the shooting season, and you said you've been doing it roughly for about three years now, what are the three matches, and it could be local or national platform, what are the three matches that you look forward to shooting every year? Mm, that's a good one. Um, so this past year is my first nationals. Um, so I'm going to count that one as a look forward to shooting because it's the place where all the best shooters show up and shoot. And so definitely that one. Um, and then it's in this, the same thing, like Carolina classic, that was an awesome match. Like with, and I know you guys are doing the same with the South Carolina match as well with staff reset, um, in the half day format. Right. That was pretty cool. So I'm definitely looking forward to doing that one again. And then um, we've got, again, a good buddy of mine up here um, who's a match director doing them. It's, I think this year will be the first year that it's a main state championship. Mm -hmm. um, and that's called this, that's a standby to fly. It's a uh, benefit, a benefit match for veterans up here. And mm -hmm. it's a, they've been doing it for the past two years. And that's a really, it's a, a local club to me. Um, but this is the first year it'll be, it'll be nine stages and it'll be a state, a state match. Um, so those are the three uh, that I really think so. And, and nationals is on there. Cause like, uh, it's, it's not any more important than any other match, but everybody is there. And I feel like I shoot my best when, when I'm surrounded by other people that also are like, I don't know how to say that necessarily. I shoot my best when I'm surrounded by other people who are the best. Competition um, drives the, you. Competition yeah, drives and, you. There you go. <laughs> and like the higher the pressure goes, like mm -hmm. the better I, the better I, I perform. And right. so I, I want the pressure I used. I I'm happy to have all of it. Like, cause I know, I know I'll be able to perform higher, the higher the pressure goes. Gotcha. Um, and that, that wasn't, that's not always been that way. <laughs> this comes back to the <laughs> mental stuff. Um, Steve, Steve Anderson has his, his match mode and, mm -hmm. and that within that is, is everything. Um, and, and so this is like continuing to tell yourself. And I think Travis Tomasi's talked about this, like um, Robert Vogel's talked about this, but, but, lying to yourself 
mm-hmm. until it becomes true. Right. Um, and then, it, then that truth uh, is so solid and ingrained that, that it, it, it's, it's actually a truth. Um, right. And you got to be careful because you want to tell yourself the right lies that you right. want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they're not, they're not lies. Yeah. But you got to choose carefully. And so that's how I, again, talking about this stuff is difficult, but that's, that's it. That's yeah. it right there. So for me, the matches that I'm actually looking for going forth because in 2020, that was the most major matches I've shot. I shot like seven or eight of them in 2020. Dang. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Out of all of them, the ones that I'm looking forward to going back again is Nationals. And I enjoy the competition value with the three-day format, but I just didn't like the AM, PM swapping. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it kind of messed me up one day as um, far as sleep schedule-wise. Which but, do, do you like AM or PM better? Which one Which one did you like better, AM or PM? I like the PM better on the national platform. But if I was going to, yeah. like, okay. um, like last year when I was doing the South Carolina section, um, they gave you the option AM or PM. So normally I would choose the PM, you know, just so I can get there, you know, stretch, relax a little bit, see a couple of stages, see how people ran the stages, you know, and then yeah. compare my plan to what I've seen other people do. And it's just, you know, like the driving is what gets me a lot of times. So like if you try to leave here and get to a match four or five hours later and then get out and shoot, mentally you're not with it you know? not right yeah so i like to get there at least three or four hours beforehand and just relax you know stretched out and then you know start thinking of other things related to shooting and now dive into it full speed ahead there you, you go know, okay so world. nationals is one yeah nationals what is are one. the other two um area six is another one because i felt area six was my best major match last year yeah. You know, um, but I felt nationals would have been better for me if I didn't make corrections to my sites. <laughs> Stupid mistake on my behalf. I shouldn't have touched anything. I should have just trusted my abilities. But um, area six, I felt was the better one that I shot last year. Then there was one we were supposed to be going to, and I think it was either Kentucky or one of the matches in Ohio but they backed out of it because of the COVID situation. And then we didn't go shoot it. But I heard everybody talking about the one that was taking place in West Virginia also. So I was like, okay, that's the one I was, I want to go to. So national area six and then the area eight championship. There you go. Yeah. So that's the three that I want to do. Okay. Area eight. Nice. I've heard yeah. good things. Yeah, and like I said, everybody that went to it, they was all stating like how clean it was, like far as the competition value, and it was a lot of fun, but it was very technical mm-hmm. also. So, and I, I want to dive into that yeah. type of match, you know, a little bit more. But I do like the running gun. I love running gun, <laughs> you know, but not just so much running that, into a oh, yeah. target <laughs> and just keep running, <laughs> you know. Um, it has to be a little bit of a challenge in there, you know just yeah no i like what did they area eight they did like a it wasn't necessarily exactly like an ipsc format but they did you know 
more yeah more shorter medium courses to to long courses which is cool um yeah. and there's another it's a different aspect there tom powers was the one who actually broke it down to me and i can't remember exactly how he said it but the way he came down to it was so many um courses were or so many stages were like a short course so many of them were a long course and then the rest of them were like the epic format and it was he said it was a great mixture in there so yeah so and i can't i can't really remember exactly how he broke it down but the way he broke it yeah. down no i like that yeah like it made it. it it made it sound very interesting like okay i want to i want to do that also and see how that works out because shooting a a match like that with three different formats how is that going to play with your your skills and your abilities in one day going from stage to stage and you're jumping back and forth like that you know so it's it's one of those one of those types yeah so but no, definitely maybe, a good test yeah yeah so maybe one day what we could do is um we can get the crew from down here and then come up there to Maine and shoot a match up there in the main area, hopefully when it's warm, because I'm allergic to this cold stuff. <laughs> you know, I don't do good, good in the cold weather. Hopefully when it's warm. Yeah. This, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this one's in, I think, I mean, they're going to do it again. Um, I, I, it's in July, so weather's weather's perfect. Weather's perfect. Okay. Um, this one's July 16, that weekend. One day, one day format stuff like that. But, um, right. It's so, yeah. So it's normally, a good what, time. It's a really good time. Yeah. Good what match. we what we try to do is, um, meaning Dave and myself, we try to plan it out together so we can actually coordinate. You know, if, if we are going to ride together, or you know, at least get there and do whatever we're going to do together. You know, so um, yeah. That one. I can't remember if it was Kentucky or Ohio, whichever match it was we were supposed to go to. I know we were supposed to ride together on that one. And then I think we were supposed to ride together on area six, but then something came up on my behalf and he had to leave before me. So I ended up driving down there also. So, but we ended up linking up, got down there, of course. And do you guys usually squad together as well? Um, if you can. It, it depends. Yes. It all depends. Um, my thing is, I don't like being on a squad with a bunch of open people, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you fall into that trap of you trying to shoot like the open guys. And when I first, I want to say it was maybe two years ago, I was in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And, you know, that local match that was taking place up there in Spartanburg. And I was on a squad. I was like the only limited guy on the squad. And I'm just listening to the the rhythm of everybody else shooting. I'm trying to keep up with that rhythm. Man, I had so many misses doing that. I was like, what's going on with me today? And then I actually realized like at the end of the match, everybody else is shooting open. I'm the only limited guy and I have to shoot differently. <laughs> you know, my sight yeah. is a whole lot different. <laughs> oh man. And that's just like, it's so tempting. It's so tempting because, um, but yeah, if, if, if you shoot at the speed that you can see, you'll always be shooting at the correct speed. And that's something right. Steve said like hundreds of times. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the easiest that's, way to put it. That's, that's the, the speed. 
Yeah, so so easy for me to say that right now, but it's a lot more difficult to do, um, mm-hmm. especially when you're when you're surrounded by people who are pulling you know 11, 12 splits all the time. Like Dave, right. I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but to be able to yeah to be able to overcome that and 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 shoot at your at your pace at your speed, um, that's that's really cool. Right. And that. That I mean, there's so many mental tools there. I mean, we could talk. We could talk for a long time about it, but yeah, there's so many mental tools that that you get from from like Lanny Basham with with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's uh, again, I'm I'm just talking right now because I'm trying to figure it out. But training those certain aspects and how do you train them? Um, I don't know what to say. I, there, there are specific yeah. things. I think in in mental rehearsal and like putting yourself in a match when you're not actually at a match. Oh yeah. Um. um yeah. One one class that I was doing it was with Keita Bussy when she came here to Columbia, South Carolina, and during this class, Dave had shot first, and I was right up, right behind him. So Dave shot. Now I'm up, and she had noticed. She was like you're shooting like Dave. I need you to shoot like Mike. And I said, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, you're not running an open gun. And then um, actually I had my camera and I was videotaping and I went back and I looked at it and I was like, man, she is right. <laughs> so I had to go back and slow it down. And that's a bad habit I have, you know, that I actually picked up in the military. Of course, you listen to the rhythmic volume of everybody else shooting the AR, the M4 rifle. Mm-hmm. So um, of course, I'm trying to do that now whenever I shoot and practice with Dave. I'm trying to keep up with him and two different firing systems, abilities are two different platform levels. So you gotta shoot Mike, <laughs> not Dave, I gotta shoot Mike, you know? Yeah, and that's maybe, maybe that's good in training. Like if you guys are training together and to be able to push your speed like that and, and be able to see things faster, sooner, um, that might be beneficial. Oh, yeah. now, um, and then to be able to come back in and dial in at a match and shoot what you can see. Oh yeah. Now it was um, one time we was practicing. Yeah, that's he, it. Yeah, he he noticed something, and when I was doing it, he was like, "Hey, try this." And when I tried it, I was like, "Okay, I like it. I like it." But we only practiced it that one day, so I didn't have like a complete grasp on it. And then I went back to my my old habit of, okay, confirm before you pull the trigger. So now I'm taking too long. I'm looking at the sights, you know, mm. versus now it's like, as soon as I see it, I'm just pulling, I'm just going, you know, but um, back then he had actually noticed something. And when we practiced it that day, um, I was actually like shaving time off, but I didn't have enough ammo to keep it up on that cyclic rate because when I picked it up, it was like already close to the end of the session when yeah. he actually chimed in on me, you know? So I was like, ah, okay. He said, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Then the next time we went out, um, we worked on a few things. Yeah. No, that, but, but not everything that we did that, that previous time. No, that makes sense. And I definitely can relate to that. Like there've been times where I'll, where I'll have something happen and then, if I don't come back to it, I need, you can tend to lose it. And so 
and I know what I did. Um, and then like I'll do, sometimes I'll do the same drill for like a week in live fire. Like if, if I'm going leading up to a match, um, you know, maybe like a month or two out, I'll do the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Like when I have a breakthrough like that, I'll repeat it over and over and over again. Um, like when early on I was trying to, trying to shoot as the, the dot, as soon as it came back down. So it would come up and, and as soon as the dot was coming back down into the, into the wherever on the target I was trying to hit, then I'd be pulling the trigger again. So I was doing build drills at like at 20 yards. And I, I did that, like, that's the only thing I did for a couple of weeks. Um, but it was like every other day, every day I would go out and shoot a couple build drills and then go home. So it's like 12 rounds, but I did the thing. I shot as soon as I could the, see the dot coming back down. Right. Um, and so just repeating that activity over and over and over again. And then it made, like, I, that was a big breakthrough because I went from shooting like really slow over confirming on 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 splits or or even transitions and and then it just it bumped it way up to where like if there was a 10 yard target it was i could i could shoot just as soon as that the dot came back in right um and but it's it's tough because if you don't write it down or if you don't have if you don't either either you don't write it down right after it happened or you don't like download that into your mind of, I need to do this again. Mm-hmm. Um, then you'll, then you'll lose it. Exactly. So we got to, we're on it and it's, and that, but ah, this is why it's, it's so exciting to talk about because there's things I'm thinking about right now that, that I'm, that I'm going to come back to and it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but um, <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. That's it right there. <laughs> so now, um, we already know what's next for J Dill. So if the good people wanted to actually follow you, contact you, or even look at your videos, how can the listening audience do that? So um, right now, Instagram is the best for that. Um, if you just search J Beal on there, or uh, I think uh, J Clay 94 is the, is the tag or whatever it's called. Um, that's where, I, that's where I post most of my stuff. Um, and then yeah, I'm, I'm building a house right now for my wife and I, so there, there's a lot of stuff with that going on. Um, right. uh, but yeah, send me, send me a message. I, I love to talk about this stuff. Send me a message or, or, or whatever. I'm happy to talk to people. Right, um, like we said before, like, cause I'm, I get, I get so much out of it. So. Oh yeah. That's, that's it right there. So um, once again, everybody, that's, this is Jay Bill. And like we say, go hit him up on his social media as he just stated and check out his videos of his practice sessions also and then start a conversation with him you're going to gain a lot from that conversation so jay i want to thank you for coming on to the m-w tactical podcast and anytime you want to come on you are more than welcome to but i definitely want to bring you back so we can continue this conversation on mindset absolutely thank you mike for having me and to the good people because yeah, I had to put it in there. The good people. <laughs> um, th- thank you guys for listening. It's pretty awesome. Keep listening. Um, and, and yeah, 
Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate it. And uh, and gotta say gotta say hey to Dave again too. I'm bummed he can't can't talk to him now, but that's all right. We'll get to oh, it later. It. Uh, <laughs> next time we bring you on, he'll be on, and we can actually have a three way conversation um, about mindset and when it comes to shooting. <laughs> nice, awesome, nice. All right. So if everybody will please stay in your seats, and here are a few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm going to be. Come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. The Gun Cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you can still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the m-w tactical podcast remember a new podcast comes out every tuesday if you can't wait for tuesday go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can even purchase M-W Tactical apparel. But please, go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the two-way community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.